Today I'll be reading 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. Again, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and it's on page 1024 in the Pew Bibles. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us. How wonderful it is to come together today to worship God. And that's what we want to study today is the topic of worship. And there are, very, uh, there are various avenues by which our adoration reaches and approaches God. And today we want to discuss one of those. By way of introduction, I want to show you a picture and you'll just have to... Um, let me describe it verbally. I know you can't make it out from, from where you are, but it's a very interesting picture of some churches that are meeting in India, and this missionary, and by the way, this brochure is on the, one of our tables out in the foyer, and I've just noticed it. When we come together to worship at other times, if we have a revival or we have a gospel meeting on Monday night and we come together to worship God, we're not going to take up an offering. And there's a biblical reason. Because that's done on the first day of the week. And on a mission trip, we are not going to have a car wash and encourage the world to come in and to buy the, the washing of a car so that that can be done. Why? Because the Lord has told us specifically how income is to be brought to His church. Every time the church received funds, it was always always from the members of the Lord's body giving. The Lord intended to the kind of business than the soul winning business. And He never intended for the world to support the work of the church. And so it is. He clearly tells us this is how I want it to be done. I want those that have dedicated their life to me to be givers every first day of the week. You know, we don't say it very often. I really wish that we would. I'm not saying it's one of those huge beefs in my life, but I really wish we would. When we pass the collection plate, it'd be a good time to remind visitors, we're not asking for you to give. God's not asking for them to give until they first give themselves to Him. The collection is for those that have already given themselves to God. And once they've given themselves to God, the natural result is, is they'll want to give of everything that they have. That's God's plan. God's plan isn't for the world to supply the financial support of the church. It's not for business to supply the financial needs of the church. God's plan is for those that have devoted their life to be liberal givers to the cause. That's the only way any work of God's will be done. Now, let's think about a third point. You see there again in verse 2, it says, On the first day of the week, let each one of you... 
and then the rest of the verse is going to talk about giving. Let each one of you... Turn with me, if you will, to James, the second chapter. In James, the second chapter, we learn something that will not be a surprise to any of us, but it's very important to understand when we think about giving. We learn this about the nature of God. In James, the second chapter, verse 1, he says, My brethren, James, the second chapter, and verse 1, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with in other words, he's saying here, be like Lord when it comes to partiality. Well, what about it? He says he doesn't have it. And then he gives the example. He says a rich man walks into the service, and you can tell by the way he's dressed that he's a wealthy man, and everybody stands up and offers him his... A poor man walks into the service, and you can recognize his poverty by the way he's dressed, and everybody just says, well, we couldn't move our feet and let you sit on the stool there, or you could go sit in the back of the room. And the Lord says, remember, the church is his body. He says, I'm not like that. The head's not like that, and the church better not be like that. Why? God isn't partial. Now, who is to give each first? Let each... Can you imagine? Now, if you're not devoted your life to Christ, you appreciate this point. And I don't mean that... To slam you, it's just a fact. You will not understand this point. If you've devoted your life wholly to God, can you imagine coming together on Sunday and having to show a financial statement to see if you have enough to give back to God? <laughs> oh, you'll have to sit over here in the Class B section. Uh, we only allow those that are Golden Crown members. They're the only gift. Keep your little change. We don't need it. Can you imagine? You know, God looked at a, at a widow that had two mites. You know what He did? He accepted her gift, and God was happy to accept it. And He looked at a man in Luke, the 18th chapter, that had so much, and that so much was separating him from God, and He wanted to accept that gift. Stop separating from God. What does that tell us? That tells us that God is not a partial God. He's not a prejudiced God. He's not a God that says, I love you more if you're rich or I love you more if you're poor. He's a God that says, I want every one of you to receive the greater blessing. Do we honestly believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive? And if we honestly believe that, can you imagine a God that says, I don't want poor people to have the opportunity? No, that's not the case. We serve. God is a God that wants to give the blessing of giving to everyone. To everyone. And what a blessing indeed that it is. Finally this morning, let's see the offering itself as we read the rest of verse 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper that there be no collections, I come. Now notice here, we see the amount that we ought to give. The golden question. How many times have ministers and class teachers and, and even parents and elders been asked, what's the amount I'm supposed to give? 
Well, we know from the Sermon on the Mount that our righteousness is supposed to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. That's my starting point. But you know, there's nowhere in the Scriptures of the New Covenant that tells us exactly what the amount is to be, but we have a very principle. How much is to be tied in proportion to how much we have received. To give as we have whispered. Now let's think for just a moment of very illustration. Let's say an individual check for $500. And they want to give of the first fruits of their labor. So they immediately think, how much of this am I going to set aside to give on the first day of the And let's say that they conclude $50. Week number two, they're holding a check for $1,500. Big bonus that week. And they say, I want to give the first of my labor. I think I'll give $50 again. Now, did they give as they... They gave the same gift. They gave habitually. What does God say? I want to and consider what I've given to you before you consider what you give back to me. Put that thought on hold for just a moment. To do this on the first. What does that mean? We just sung a song just a few minutes ago that said, Count your many blessings. We ought to count our many blessings every day. But for a faithful Christian, definitely, how often are they? At least once a week. I've been real uh, intentional about illustration. So I've made it to the end. I'd like to give you one in my life. When I was a child, my father, he's tight. Boy, is he tight. He never spent money. And we didn't have a lot to spend. But every week, every Saturday evening, or every morning, I'd see him at the dining room table. He'd have his legs crossed there, and way up. And he'd have a little piece of paper, maybe the back of an envelope. He was doing some quick math. He'd take that long checkbook and unfold it. He'd write out his check. I knew what was coming next. He'd make his way back through the house. He'd say, David, Sunday, have you thought about giving back to God? No, Dad, I hadn't thought about it. Let's think about this. Maybe I was 14 years old, and he'd say, You mow Mr. Yard this week. You mowed Miss Springer's yard, yes. You mowed our yard, yes. And you sold that calf this week, too. All that. Now, what do you want to give, David? It's 10%? Yeah, Dad, that's what I'd like to give. Now, you know how to figure that? Yeah, Dad. 
I know how to figure that. I didn't realize the foundation from the Scriptures that he was laying. And I can't express to him how much I appreciate that because it forced me every week to stop and count my blessings. I said, look what God has given me this week. What comes to your mind when I say brat, silver spoon kid, selfish? That's what we all become when we don't stop and count blessings. That's what we all become whenever we just continue to receive and we never stop to say, what's the source of these gifts? Look how blessed I am. God says... All the way back in Deuteronomy 8 to the children of Israel they in a wilderness. 140 years they lived like that. He says, I'm about to give you a lot honey and you're going to have big houses that you didn't build and you're going to have big vineyards that you didn't plant and you're going to eat and your belly's going to be full and they're going to have fresh changes of clothes and their hillsides are going to have resources of gold and diamonds and minerals and they're going to have all of this wealth and God says, I'm so afraid and he warns them, don't become full. And God warns in Luke, the 18th chapter. He's just told the story that would not allow riches to stop separating him from God. And so when the man walked away very simple, Jesus had a concluding lesson to teach. And notice what he said in 24. When Jesus saw that, he became very sorrowful. Jesus doesn't ever want us to let anything separate us from him. And he said, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Heard it said, how, can, how then can they be saved? He said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Can you see through that story to the depths of it? A man has just allowed riches to separate him from God. Remember the very first lesson in this series, who's our master? God, God or money? And they just watched an individual say, money is my master. And God says, you know what? God says it's a hard thing for rich people to enter heaven. And me and camel going needle, an eye of an eye, eye of a needle is, is what Jesus said. And these men, well, who can be saved? They kind of looked at themselves as maybe I'm rich. You and I might have looked at Peter and said, "Man, he's rich." Peter's looking and saying, "What if I'm rich?" How in the world am I going to be saved? And the Lord says, what men can't do on their own, with God, men can do it. If money becomes our riches, of the God, salvation. It's a blessing that you and I as faithful Christians, stop every week.
our blessings. Any of you that are a little bit older than me, maybe a lot of you that are the age of me, I don't know how you grew up, but I know this. Compared to what I had at one time in my life, maybe not by your standards, but I'm a rich man. I'm not asking for sympathy. I wouldn't change the way I grew up for anything. You couldn't pay me enough to grow up in any other way. But I'm telling you, we didn't. I never dreamed have the things I have today. We didn't have ice cream at home. We didn't have cereal that had sugar in it unless we added it. And it was all right. But if you would have said to me, David, at one time you'll have these things, I'd have said, there's no way. I'm rich. A lot of you, you've come a long way too. You didn't start out with what you have now. And you didn't get it on your own either. And you know, it's a lot easier by human nature to say, talking about giving, and we say, I don't have to give anything. I worked hard for it. And what does God say? God says, you stop every week. You count your blessings. And then you give back to me based on how I've given to you. And that's a part of our worship. That's a part of pouring out our adoration to God. Here's my offering. Advice. This morning, we'll close this lesson with the Lord's invitation. We learn in 2 Corinthians the 8th chapter we ever need to address the topic of giving of financially we need to address the topic of whether or not we've given ourselves to God. And so we extend the Lord's invitation for you to give the greatest thing that you've ever given. And that is to surrender your heart, your soul, and your will to God and say, I'll regardless. It doesn't matter. Lord, it's all for you. And this morning, if, if you've never given your life to God and you're ready to do that and turn away from Lord, and confess before man that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, won't you come this morning being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? Maybe you've done that, and somewhere along the way, things have just gotten out of line, out of focus, out of priority. Most of us have been there. This morning's a wonderful time to get things back in the right order. Repent of sins. Confess those and let's pray forgiveness. Let's leave here this morning making sure that the first gift that we've given to God wasn't a contribution that was a part of worship, but making sure that the first gift we gave to God was when we woke up this morning, we surrendered all of our will to Him. If we can help you with that, come as we stand and as we sing.